0: The night of December 27, 1974, a party was in full swing at the suburban home of Jose Maria Castillo Quant, a wealthy Nicaraguan businessman. Among the guests were ambassadors from Chile, Nicaragua, and briefly the United States.
1: At 11 p.m., the party was suddenly interrupted by 13 armed revolutionaries. As the gunmen tried to create order amongst the panicked partiers, one of them shouted, This is a political operation. We are the Frente Sandinista de Liberacion Nacional. Viva Sandino!
0: Castillo slipped away to his bedroom, opened his gun cabinet, and distributed weapons to a group of musicians. But rather than join their host in a suburban shootout, the musicians dropped the weapons and fled. Castillo, still waving a gun, was alone when two revolutionaries entered the bedroom. They shot him dead.
1: Meanwhile, everyone else in attendance was taken hostage, including Guillermo Sevilla Sacasa, the brother-in-law of Nicaraguan dictator Anastasio Tachito Samosa de Baile.
0: This left Samosa between a rock and a hard place. His sister implored him to negotiate with the hostages and save her husband's life, but his National Guard officers urged him to storm the house.
1: It was the greatest test Somoza had faced since taking control of Nicaragua some seven years earlier. No matter what he chose, the consequences would be dire.
0: After years of crushing rebellions with contemptuous ease, the Caudillo had finally met his match in this new generation of Sandinistas. Tonight was merely the beginning of a long and bloody war over the future of Nicaragua.
1: Welcome to Dictators, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Richard.
0: And I'm Kate. You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
1: This season, we're looking at post-World War II Central American and Caribbean dictators Rafael Trujillo of the Dominican Republic, Efrain Rios Montt of Guatemala, and Anastasio Somoza de Baile of Nicaragua.
0: Last week, we charted the rise of the Samosa dynasty and how Anastasio Tacho Samosa Garcia seized power in Nicaragua. After 20 years of corrupt and authoritarian rule, Samosa was assassinated, leaving his two sons, Luis and Tachito, to fill the
1: void. This week, we'll explore the reign of Anastasio Tachito Samosa de Baile. Somoza's reign began quietly, but he struggled to hold on to power in the face of increasing domestic protests, a natural disaster, and a civil war, all of which left Nicaragua in ruins.
0: We'll have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6 1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well,
0: that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: 41-year-old Anastasio Tachito Somoza de Baile officially took office on May 1st, 1967, just a few weeks after his older brother Luis suddenly died from a heart attack. While Samosa certainly mourned the loss of his brother, the death left him the most powerful man in Nicaragua by leagues. It essentially allowed him to reign with impunity. And at first, that reign was remarkably pleasant, for Samosa at least.
0: The young Samosa's rule proved to be little more than a continuation of his father's. Corruption flourished, Graft was rampant, and Samosa enjoyed being rich.
1: Nicaragua's economy grew in the late 60s, in part thanks to high prices caused by the war in Vietnam. From 1968 to 1971, the GDP rose by 8% a year.
0: Of course, Samosa and his National Guard officers were the ones who reaped the greatest benefits from the economic boom. Samosa's power rested with the National Guard. As long as they were content, he could feel safe. The rest of Nicaragua, meanwhile, had to pick up the crumbs.
1: Just as important as the National Guard for Somoza was his relationship with the ever-powerful United States. In April 1971, Tachito went to the U.S. for a private dinner with President Richard Nixon.
0: And as a token of gratitude toward friendly relations with America, Samosa allegedly donated $1 million to Nixon's re-election
1: campaign. Samosa came away from his five-year term as president feeling like a great success. And he liked the idea of doing it all again. Unfortunately, the Constitution forbade him from running for re-election.
0: So, in spring 1972, Somoza announced he would step down in favor of a three-man junta. He promised this was the start of a democratic revolution.
1: But Somoza remained head of the National Guard, the real source of power in the country. And the junta were merely puppets. This was so obvious to average Nicaraguans that they quickly nicknamed the junta The Three Little Pigs.
0: Samosa survived the sudden deaths of his father and brother and came out stronger than ever. Even better, during these first few years, the various guerrilla fighters, like the Sandinistas, were nothing more than a minor irritant. Little violence disturbed the country, and he was looking forward to decades of prosperity.
1: But then fate intervened.
0: On December 23, 1972, a series of earthquakes struck the capital city of Managua, the strongest at 6.25 on the Richter scale. As much as 80% of the capital was destroyed, either by the quake or subsequent fires. An estimated 10,000 people died.
1: Somoza ordered the junta to declare martial law to maintain order. However, hundreds of guardsmen abandoned their posts to search for their families or loot the destroyed businesses. So Samosa asked the U.S. for help.
0: The Nixon administration sent medical supplies, food, and equipment. And when those emergency supplies arrived at a Nicaraguan airport, it was up to Samosa's son, also named Anastasio, to lead the distribution.
1: However, the spoiled son was more concerned with finding his missing car, and since nothing could get done without his signature, medicine and food sat at the airport gathering dust while people died in the streets.
0: Various countries and numerous aid organizations sent fresh water, food, and other necessities to Nicaragua. These supplies similarly were poorly managed and rarely reached the people who needed
1: them most. Quite a lot of them simply disappeared into the pockets of Samosa and his crony.
0: Samosa took advantage of the disaster in
1: other ways too. Despite some of the National Guardsmen ditching their post, martial law managed to remain in effect for well over a year. A national emergency committee took control of the country and Somoza openly ruled as its president in defiance of the constitution.
0: Somoza then promised the people that Managua would be rebuilt. But instead of actually rebuilding the capital, he simply sat idle. In fact, it would be many years before reconstruction began in earnest, not until after Somoza was gone.
1: In the meantime, most of Managua's poor lived in shanty towns without proper roads or sewage disposal.
0: Resentment against the regime began to build, rapidly. So much so that when Samosa campaigned for his 1974 presidential re-election, he had to make speeches from inside a specially constructed booth of bulletproof glass.
1: On the other side of that booth, thousands of textile, construction, and metal workers went on strike to demand higher wages. Street protests broke out over an increase in bus fares.
0: It's difficult to say if Somoza was aware of how much the regime was hated and didn't care, or if he was truly oblivious to the cries of the people. What is certain is that his hubris made him sure that he was the rightful master of Nicaragua.
1: Needless to say, the dictator had come a long way from the days when he urged his father to step down because of his unpopularity.
0: But angry protests couldn't upset the 1974 election because it was rigged. The day before the election, an opposition newspaper ran the headline, Candidates Who Won Tomorrow's Elections.
1: They included Samosa, of course. He had become completely detached from the reality of Nicaragua. He had even told a reporter that the earthquake has given a lot of people opportunities for a new life. Many debts were wiped out, and a new generation with a lot of oomph has a great chance to break into the business cycle.
0: Perhaps given the natural tendency to rationalize one's actions, Samosa even believed his own tripe. Maybe he sincerely thought he was making Nicaragua into a better place, in spite of the problems caused by the earthquake. Perhaps he told himself that if he was siphoning off a fortune for himself, then that was only because he deserved such a reward.
1: The people of Nicaragua, however, did not think Samosa deserved any rewards. And some of them were getting increasingly determined to make sure he never collected another one.
0: The Sandinista de Liberación Nacional, or FSLN, was a revolutionary group dedicated to overthrowing the Samosas. They took their name from Augusto Sandino, the legendary guerrilla fighter who had been betrayed and killed by Samosa's father.
1: Since the 1960s, the Sandinistas had reared their head in several half-baked uprisings. Time and again, Tachito's National Guard had crushed them. For Somoza, there was no reason to take the group seriously.
0: But Somoza should have considered why the Sandinistas kept coming back, why they wouldn't give up, and what conditions drove these people to fight and die for their cause. He should also have considered the fact that with each subsequent year, the Sandinistas were drawing more people to that cause.
1: In the aftermath of the earthquake, the Sandinistas' promise of social revolution sounded very appealing to many poor and middle-class Nicaraguans, especially as it became painfully obvious that Somoza had nothing to offer them but year after year of a hardship and hollow promises. Even the country's upper class was getting tired of Samosa's corruption and insatiable greed.
0: Samosa's complacency, short-sightedness, and above all, his failure to properly respond to a natural disaster had created a fertile breeding ground for the Sandinistas.
1: And the Sandinistas decided that the time had come to strike at the very heart of the Samosa regime.
0: Coming up, the Sandinistas step up their attacks, and Somoza steps up his repression.
2: Robbing trains, rustling cattle. Pop culture usually depicts the Old West as an uncharted land with no rules. But how much of that is true? Now you can find the facts, learn the lore, and tackle the tallest of tales in the Spotify original from Parcast, Wild Wild West. Every Thursday on Spotify, settle up to the saloon to hear about the American frontier's most ruthless outlaws and heroic gunslingers. Wild Wild West features a compilation of episodes from shows across Parcast Network and focuses on the legends that help shape American culture. From sharpshooters and explorers to family feuds and lost treasure, the West has a history more complex than you know. Don't be a yellow belly. Follow Wild Wild West free and only on Spotify. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.
1: The Nicaraguan earthquake of 1972 was a major test for 47-year-old dictator Anastasio Tachito Samosa de Baile. By virtually every measure, he had failed that test. Instead of helping the people devastated by the disaster, he enriched himself and his cronies. He thought he was invincible. He was wrong. On December 27, 1974, 13 Sandinistas, 10 men and three women, burst into the home of a wealthy businessman in a posh suburb of Managua. A party was being held in honor of the American ambassador, who by sheer luck had left half an hour before the Sandinistas charged in.
0: The host of the party, Jose Maria Castillo Quant, attempted to stop the guerrillas, but was shot before he could fight back. The Sandinistas took everyone else hostage, including ambassadors from Chile and Nicaragua and Samosa's brother-in-law.
1: At the time of the attack, Samosa was on vacation on Corn Island just off the coast of Nicaragua. His half-brother, General Jose Somoza, was left in charge, and when he learned of the crisis, he immediately informed Somoza of the situation.
0: The Sandinistas demanded the release of over a dozen political prisoners, as well as the broadcast of a message to the Nicaraguan public.
1: According to historian Bernard Diederich, the raid was a shock both to Somoza and his not always well-informed intelligence service. Somoza actually believed that the Frente was no threat. He was convinced that the anti-guerrilla unit of the Guard was the best in Latin America. But in Managua's most elegant suburb, the Guard was rendered helpless.
0: Somoza's advisors urged him not to negotiate with the Sandinistas. They were convinced that it would only embolden the revolutionaries in the future. But Samosa's sister Lillian demanded that he negotiate in order to secure her husband's release. He sided with Lillian.
1: On the 28th, Archbishop Miguel Obando y Bravo, a known critic of the regime, arrived to negotiate. Besides the already mentioned demands, the guerrillas also wanted an increase in the minimum wage, the end of media censorship, and $5 million in cash. Samosa had 36 hours to meet their demands.
0: Many dictators would have sent in soldiers to resolve the situation by force, even if a family member died in the crossfire. Samosa, however, caved. Perhaps he really cared that much about family, or maybe he was just more of a coward than he let on.
1: In any case, Samosa sent an aide to New York to withdraw $5 million from the Federal Reserve Bank, though ultimately he managed to negotiate the cash payment down to a million.
0: As the deadline approached, negotiations slowly progressed. On one occasion, the Sandinistas released hostages as a gesture of goodwill.
1: And on the evening of the 29th, the national radio station broadcast the Sandinistas' manifesto. It detailed the political oppression, economic hardships, and violence endured by poor Nicaraguans. The Sandinistas promised, we will go to war to kill or be killed, but only so that our people have a real opportunity to live.
0: The next morning, 14 political prisoners most of whom had been imprisoned for seven long years, stepped out from behind bars and were brought to an airport.
1: A few hours later, the Sandinistas, the hostages, the archbishop, and Mexican and Spanish ambassadors serving as replacement hostages boarded a bus and made their way to the airport. Along the way, they saw people cheer and shout, Viva Sandino!
0: Another crowd of supporters awaited them at the airport. In front of their adoring fans, the Sandinistas joined with the political prisoners, boarded the plane, and took off for Cuba. The hostages were then released in Managua.
1: They'd done it. The Sandinistas had won a resounding victory against the Somoza regime.
0: Somoza did not take the outcome well. He cursed the rebels, claiming they are cowards, blackmailers, psychopaths, and fools, This is the work of communism equal to the assassination of my father.
1: The National Guard weren't particularly pleased, either. Samosa told them that he had been trying to avoid bloodshed, but to many in the Guard, it looked as if he was a coward.
0: Samosa had shown weakness, and he knew it. To counteract this misstep, he stepped up repression. Martial law was extended, while the media was censored more heavily than ever. But it was getting harder to maintain control.
1: Perhaps most frightening of all, the United States gave the first hints of turning against their Nicaraguan ally. First, Ambassador Turner Shelton was replaced. He had been such a lackey for the Somoza regime that he appeared on the Nicaraguan currency. Now he was out of the picture.
0: Then, according to Bernard Diedrich, Congress began seriously to question military and political alliances that entangled the United States with unpopular, repressive governments. Even the State Department began to be nervous about the United States' relations with Nicaragua.
1: Concerned about the shifting mood in Washington and fearful of increased Sandinista activity, Somoza expanded his bodyguard. He also created a new elite anti-guerrilla unit within the guard called the Bakat, or Special Brigade Against Terrorist Action.
0: But in trying to destroy the Sandinistas, Somoza only drove the people right into their arms. Haphazard arrests and summary executions meant to dissuade peasants from helping the guerrillas accomplished the opposite. And when citizens went to Samosa to complain about guard abuses, he ignored them.
1: Still, for now, the regime maintained the upper hand. The guard killed Sandinistas faster than the latter could recoup their losses. A heavy blow came in November 1976, when Carlos Fonseca Amador, one of the founders of the FSLN, was killed. It was said that his head was cut off, so Samosa could see for himself that the guerrilla was dead.
0: Of the group's original leaders, only Tomás Borges still lived, though he was in prison, having been arrested earlier in the year.
1: Unfortunately, Samosa's ability at keeping the Sandinistas in check came at the expense of his relationship with the U.S. And when Jimmy Carter won the presidential election in 1976, things only got worse for Samosa's image in Washington.
0: Perhaps the most damage was done by a group of Nicaraguan clergy who testified before Congress and released documents about the Samosa regime's abuses. According to one report, One particularly brutal moment occurred when a group of guardsmen and sheriffs stormed into the little village of Varia in the Zelaya province.
1: There, the soldiers shot and strangled four men, 11 women, and 29 children. The bodies were dumped in a pit, and the village was subsequently looted, all in the service of Somoza.
0: There were even other less bloody instances of daily abuse. For instance, one favored act of torture was to force a prisoner to swallow a button tied to a string while a soldier kept pulling it up.
1: With all these details, the U.S. Congress had heard enough. At least Representative Ed Koch and Senator Edward Kennedy had. They pushed for an end to military aid to Nicaragua.
0: According to historian Walter Lefebvre, Koch and Kennedy forced the Carter administration to take a stand. Human rights had to be improved or, according to congressional legislation and the president's campaign rhetoric, aid would be severed.
1: Samosa was fully aware of his rapidly declining reputation in Washington. The stress likely contributed to his heart attack on July 26, 1977.
0: The dictator was flown to the Miami Heart Institute aboard a U.S. Air Force jet to receive medical treatment. Though in a nod to the souring mood, Washington forced Samosa to pay $30,000 for the ride.
1: Meanwhile, back in Nicaragua, the heart attack was kept secret. Of course, with Samosa suddenly flying out of the country, rumors began to swirl, including whispers that Samosa was dead.
0: According to Bernard Diedrich, many thought they were witnessing the end of an era and believed that even if Samosa survived, he would have to dilute his regime and divest himself on some of his awesome political and economic power. No one thought things would remain the same as before.
1: Samosa returned to Nicaragua in mid-September, and things did change. His brush with death had frightened him.
0: For the first time in years, Samosa exercised regularly and watched what he ate in an attempt to ward off another heart attack.
1: More importantly, he decided he needed to placate the Americans. Martial law finally ended, and opposition newspapers were allowed to reopen. These concessions, however, were far from enough to placate the Sandinistas. In fact, the rebel group was gaining steam.
0: For years, the Sandinistas had been divided over how to fight the Somoza regime. By 1977, a subgroup called the Third Force, or Terceristas, were in the ascendancy. Rather than a long guerrilla war from the mountains, Castro-style, they advocated for overthrowing Somoza and setting up national elections ASAP through a large-scale military offensive.
1: Politically moderate, they also strove to form a large anti-Samosan alliance that could include socialists, Catholics, and businessmen—anyone who felt betrayed by the regime.
0: As a result, with this coalition-building and change-in-combat strategy, the Sandinistas were able to launch coordinated military strikes and occupy small towns.
1: The modest success of the Sandinistas in October 1977 encouraged others to speak out in opposition, including the upper and middle class. The people were emboldened. A taxi driver speaking to a journalist summed up the situation succinctly. We're not afraid of him anymore.
0: A confluence of factors were converging. The erosion of popular support post-earthquake Washington's diminishing assistance, Techito's apparent weakness during the hostage crisis, followed by his heart attack, and the growing strength and fame of the Sandinistas. Taken all together, it seemed clear that the Somoza regime was tottering.
1: The kindling was prepared for revolution. It only needed a spark. That spark came on January 10, 1978.
0: Pedro Joaquin Chamorro Cardinal, the editor of opposition newspaper La Prensa, was driving to his office when he came upon a pickup truck blocking the road. As Chamorro stopped, two men stepped out of the truck and shot him point-blank. By the time he reached the hospital, he was dead.
1: It's unclear who actually arranged this murder, but it didn't matter. The public blamed Samosa. An American official noted this assassination, more than any other single factor, catalyzed opposition to the regime.
0: Riots erupted throughout Managua. Banks, businesses, and cars blazed all day and night. Even during Chamorro's funeral procession, an angry crowd burned down a textile and yarn mill.
1: Samosa insisted that he had had nothing to do with the murder. No one believed him. When he tried to send a floral arrangement to Chamaro's widow, a group of incensed mourners tore it to pieces.
0: As a result of the murder, a general strike was called on January 24th. In some towns, more than 80% of businesses shut down. Calls for Samosa's resignation echoed louder than ever.
1: Organizers threatened to keep the strike going until Tachito stepped down. Some called for the National Guard to launch a coup. Anything seemed better than Samosa.
0: But Samosa
1: refused to budge. Clearly, the only way Samosa would leave was if he was forced out. The Sandinistas rose to the challenge and began to plan their most daring exploit yet.
0: The capture of the National Palace.
1: Coming up, the final battle between Somoza and the Sandinistas.
0: Nicaraguan dictator Anastasio Tachido Somoza de Baile was struggling to hold on to power. Throughout the mid 1970s, opposition by the Sandinistas galvanized the people. And after the mysterious assassination of critic Pedro Joaquin Chamorro, resentment against the regime boiled over.
1: The Sandinistas decided to capitalize on this mood of outrage with a bold plan. Capturing the country's National Palace.
0: The Nicaraguan National Palace housed Congress, the Ministry of the Interior, and the Ministry of Finance. It also had offices for the president, although Samosa never bothered to use them.
1: Shortly after noon on August 22, 1978, 25 Tercerista commandos disguised as Samosa's men swept into the palace. They marched through the halls shouting, out of the way, here comes El Jefe, and tricked the guards into laying down their weapons. Many assumed the National Guard was launching a coup against Samosa.
0: Within minutes, the commandos had taken the entire Congress hostage, as well as several deputies and reporters. In total, 1,500 people were captured. Brilliantly plotted out in advance, the only lack of subtlety in the plan was its code name, Operation Death to Somosismo, Carlos Fonseca Amador.
1: When Tachito learned of what had happened, he ordered an immediate attack on the palace. But the commandos fought off the initial waves of national guardsmen.
0: Then the commandos called Somosa and told him that if he didn't call off the attacks, they would start executing hostages. Samosa, seeing little choice, agreed to back down.
1: What happened next was essentially a rehash of the earlier suburban hostage crisis, but on a larger scale. The commandos demanded the release of political prisoners, the broadcast of a manifesto, a million dollars in cash, and a plane to take them out of the country.
0: Once again, Tachito caved to their demands—
1: The manifesto was broadcast and published. The prisoners were released, and the Sandinistas and a handful of hostages boarded a bus and headed for the airport.
0: Thousands flocked to the tarmac to watch the plane take off. It was a stunning victory, even greater than the earlier hostage crisis.
1: But the Sandinistas weren't done. They followed up their victory by launching a major military offensive in early September.
0: The National Guard fought back savagely. According to Walter Lefebvre, they leveled parts of towns and massacred thousands of people. Amnesty International declared that in some areas, all males over 14 years of age were murdered systematically.
1: Meanwhile... Venezuela, Mexico, Costa Rica, and Panama sent supplies to the rebels. In Costa Rica specifically, the Somoza's old rival, President José Figueres Ferrer, permitted the FSLN to establish a government in exile within its borders.
0: Finally, in early 1979, America got involved. President Carter cut off the remaining economic aid and reduced American diplomatic personnel.
1: Without U.S. support in Somoza's pocket, the Sandinistas knew it was time for the kill.
0: On May 29, 1979, the Sandinistas launched what it hoped would be the final offensive. According to historian Bernard Diedrich, the Sandinistas proved better prepared than ever before. They were more numerous armed with more sophisticated weapons and could count on more backing from the people.
1: Pitched battles erupted throughout the country. On June 6th, Samosa declared a state of siege, permitting the National Guard to do basically whatever it wanted. What it did was slaughter.
0: Soldiers got in the habit of demanding that civilians roll up their sleeves and pant legs, If they had bruises on their knees or elbows, they were assumed to be helping the Sandinistas and were summarily jailed or executed.
1: But no matter how wildly they attacked any and all perceived threats, the guards struggled to contain the uprising. On June 8th, the FSLN declared that they had seized control of 25 towns, Fighting even broke out in the capital.
0: Desperate, Somoza expanded the guard. Children as young as 13 were given uniforms and a gun.
1: The situation in Nicaragua had clearly gotten far out of hand. With each passing day, the National Guard became increasingly reckless. Anyone was a target, including Red Cross volunteers.
0: The chaos came to a head on June 20th. Guardsmen took ABC reporter Bill Stewart out of his car, forced him to kneel and then lie down in the street, and shot him in the head.
1: There was no clear motive behind the killing. The guardsmen had simply become accustomed to shooting anyone they wanted. But a camera crew captured the entire murder on tape and then broadcasted throughout the world.
0: For Washington, there was now no question that Samosa had to go. The Carter administration demanded Samosa's resignation. The dictator, who had become paranoid, bitter, and exhausted, stalled for a time. But even he finally accepted that his position was untenable.
1: Without the active support of the US and with the National Guard's morale at its breaking point, Samosa had no choice but to throw in the towel. To hold on any longer is to risk certain death.
0: In early July, Anastasio Somoza de Baile resigned as president of Nicaragua. He told an American reporter, I am like a tied donkey fighting with a tiger. Even if I win militarily, I have no future.
1: The FSLN immediately announced their plan for a five-man junta to guide the country after Samosa. Washington urged them to raise it to seven in the hopes of making it more politically moderate. The FSLN said no.
0: The Carter administration also pushed to have the National Guard maintained, if reorganized, as a means of keeping public order. The proposal was ludicrous, The Nicaraguan people hated the Guard as much as they hated Somoza. The two were inseparable.
1: On July 17, 1979, Somoza fled Nicaragua. He eventually settled in Paraguay, which he had once called the last place on earth for the worst people in the world.
0: Two days later, National Guard officers fled themselves Meanwhile, enlisted men changed back into civilian clothes as quickly as they could, trying to blend back into the masses.
1: The revolution had triumphed.
0: Word spread that the FSLN junta was on its way to Managua to assume control of the country. According to Bernard Diedrich, the arrival meant an end to months of war an end to the deadly, indiscriminate bombing by the guard, and an end to years of repression and nervous tension. Even apprehension about the future was swept aside by the wave of euphoria. In
1: 1934, Anastasio Somoza Garcia had betrayed and murdered Augusto Sandino. 45 long and bloody years later, the Sandinistas finally got their revenge.
0: After the celebrations, though, came the hard work of rebuilding.
1: As many as 50,000 people had died in the revolution, a fifth of the survivors were homeless, and some 40,000 children were orphaned.
0: Making things worse, Samosa had plundered the treasury before he fled. All that was left was enough cash to keep the country running for a short while, not to mention a $1.5 billion debt. According to Walter Lefebvre, the country was little more than a ruin.
1: As Nicaragua began the long road to recovery, Somoza's exile was brief. On September 17, 1980, He cruised the streets of Paraguay's capital Asuncion in his white Mercedes. Out of nowhere, he was attacked with rocket launchers and small arms. Somoza was shot 18 times.
0: A group of Argentine revolutionaries claimed responsibility for the assassination. They had fought in Nicaragua during the closing days of the revolution and felt compelled to bring an end to Tachito.
1: But when journalists asked Sandinista leader Tomás Borges who killed Samosa, he responded with the title of a popular 17th-century play named after a village that takes collective responsibility for the murder of their tyrant, Fuente Ovejuna, meaning everyone killed him.
0: Soon after the fall of Samosa, the U.S. sent almost $20 million in aid. And despite American fears of a communist takeover, U.S. businesses were welcomed back and radical union organizers expelled. Only the banks were nationalized.
1: Almost immediately, however, relations soured anyway. The Sandinistas announced they were delaying elections. In their victory, they split into factions, and FSLN leaders worried about a civil war. Washington, meanwhile, interpreted the move as the first step toward a totalitarian communist regime.
0: With Ronald Reagan's presidential victory in 1980, Washington swung to the right, especially when it came to battling against anything that even possibly resembled communism. Nicaragua responded by swinging to the left.
1: It's possible that even had Carter somehow won re-election, Relations with Nicaragua would have fallen apart anyway. According to Walter Lefebvre, the problem was historical and ideological, not personal or partisan. Reagan only turned the screws more rapidly and tightly. In
0: 1981, Reagan cut off aid to the Sandinista government partially as the result of pressure from far-right members of his party. Towards the end of 1981, Reagan supported a CIA plan to destabilize Nicaragua. Reagan also approved a proposal to send military advisors to the Honduran army, who were considering a war with the Sandinistas.
1: Meanwhile, the Sandinistas sent military aid to anti-US Salvadoran revolutionaries, cracked down on dissent, and drove out private enterprises.
0: Had the U.S. simply provided the aid Nicaragua desperately needed after the revolution, they may well have prevented the government from turning to the far left and the Soviet bloc, the very thing Washington hoped to avoid.
1: By trying to punish Nicaragua for a perceived shift towards communism, the Reagan administration ironically encouraged communism's rise. Tensions
0: soon spilled into ruthless violence, Anti-Sandinista guerrillas formed and were funded by the U.S. They came to be called La Contra Revolucion, or Contras. Some were former members of the National Guard and Somoza followers. Others were ex-Sandinistas who had become disillusioned with the FSLN.
1: In order to fund the Contras, Reagan administration officials secretly and illegally arranged for weapons sales to Iran. It was illegal because at the time, Iran was under a weapons embargo. The CIA, meanwhile, illegally mined Nicaragua's harbors and directed bombing runs of Managua.
0: This would eventually become known as the Iran-Contra Affair. Congress investigated the scandal and 11 men were convicted. Of those 11, Only one person served prison time. The rest either won an appeal or were pardoned by outgoing President George H.W. Bush in 1992.
1: The Contra War raged through the 1980s, only subsiding with the election victory of Violeta Barrios de Chamorro over the FSLN in 1990. Nevertheless, the violence never completely stopped. The FSLN returned to power with the election of Daniel Ortega in 2006. Ortega had previously served on the ruling junta and then as president from 1984
0: to 1990. As of 2021, Ortega remains the president of Nicaragua. During this second stint as president, Ortega has become increasingly anti-democratic and corrupt. Not only has he ruled as an autocrat, but many have accused him of enriching himself and his family.
1: According to New York Times reporter Francis Robles, Mr. Ortega's children and some of their spouses hold top leadership posts at television stations acquired by the government under murky circumstances. One of Mr. Ortega's sons, Laureano, who works for the government's investment promotion agency, was photographed wearing a $47,000 Rolex.
0: Meanwhile, Ortega's government has been accused of secretly assassinating rebels. And after changing the Constitution to remove term limits, Ortega apparently has no intention of stepping down anytime soon.
1: The irony isn't lost on many Sandinista revolutionaries who fought in the 1970s and are alive today. It's obvious that Daniel Ortega has turned into the very man the Sandinistas overthrew.
0: Between sporadic acts of political violence and the increasingly autocratic nature of Daniel Ortega's government, the ghosts of the Somoza dynasty still haunt Nicaragua to this day.
1: Thanks for listening to Dictators. Next week, we begin our new season, exploring little-known dictators operating during World War II.
0: Among the many sources we used, we found Samosa and the Legacy of U.S. Involvement in Central America by Bernard Diedrich, extremely useful to our research. You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
1: We'll see you next time.
0: Dictators is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Dictators was written by Devin Hughes, with writing assistance by Joe Guerra and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Bradley Klein. Dictators stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rossner.
2: Hey, partners, it's Carter from ParCast. You've probably heard stories about outlaw Jesse James, sharpshooter Annie Oakley, and the horrors of the Donner Party. But how much of what you've heard is actually true? Find out on my new series, Wild Wild West, where I head out on the frontier to find the facts, learn the lore, and tackle the tallest of tales. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Wild Wild West, every Thursday, free and only on Spotify.